All right, well, last week we started looking at what grace is, and we looked at several definitions that from friends I saw online where I made that post about what they viewed uh, grace is, and we also looked at some commentaries and Bible studies things, what grace is, because we know the Word of God declares we're not under the law anymore, we're under grace, but what does that mean? What does that mean for our lives? So I showed you how it can be hard to find, for example, to define, example, it could mean a salutation, like a a parting or a, a greeting when you're meeting somebody or when they're leaving. It can also mean like a prayer, like let's say grace. So there's a lot of different applications of the word grace in the Bible. But to summarize what I gave you last week from the Old Testament and New Testament, the word means kindness, favor, acceptance. I, I'm really praying that today as I share this mess with you, like if you've never really got the grace of God message before, that today's your day. I'm telling you, the grace of God, one of those songs I was just having this love encounter, Jesus loving on me, it was just, the grace of God is the power to change your life, and whatever, whatever where you needs it, but it means kindness, favor, acceptance, a favor which one receives without any merit of his own, amen. So in the same way Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, we have found grace, favor, kindness, and acceptance in the eyes of Father God without any merit of your own. The only reason more don't sign up for this, for a lack of a better way to say it, is because the eyes of the world have been blinded to not see the glorious light of the gospel. This is the too-good-to-be-true news of the kingdom of God, that you are dearly loved, highly favored, accepted, and beloved by the grace of God. Amen. Ephesians 2.8, we looked at verses like this, Ephesians 2.8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. That's how you're saved. It's a gift of God. We looked at Romans 3.24, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That is the grace of God. You've been just, just as if you'd never sinned in your lifetime. That's how God made your newborn again spirit. Just as if sin was not, didn't even exist. Amen. Now, I'm telling you, we need to have faith in the power and the grace of God in our lives because it has the power to change us. But if we don't receive that amazing grace, it doesn't change us like it could. All right, I'll show you that more as we go on. One more verse we looked at from last week was Ephesians 1, 6, to the praise and glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. So we're saved, justified, and accepted in the beloved. That's what we looked at last week. And all of that is a gift from God. So... Is we're saved by grace, we're justified by grace, we're accepted by the Father by grace, and this is not a work of man, this is a work of God. That's why there's no room for boasting. That's what Paul said, you don't have room for boasting, but if you're under the law and you think you've earned something, that's when you, that you, you're owed something, then there's room for boasting. But when you received it by grace and faith, realize all that Jesus did, there's no room to boast. And humility flows naturally in the, in the, in the covenant of grace, and uh, legalism and Pride and arrogance flows naturally in the covenant of law and the earning. Amen. Amen, oh me, oh my, but it's what it is. So, um, which leads to my next question. That was last week. It leads to my next question for today. I don't know if I'll get through all this today. If I do, I do. If I don't, we'll do it later. But how does knowing the grace of God impact your life? How does it impact your life? Uh, we can say we're a grace church. We can say whatever we want to say. But if you don't individually know how the grace of God is intended to impact your life, it's not going to benefit you to the degree that God intends it to. Amen? And also, we're going to look at how did, how did the grace of God save us? Not that just that it did, but how it did, okay? So, first we'll look at no, how does knowing the grace of God impact our lives. First, the grace of God will not impact our lives very much 
if we don't know what it is or understand what it is. Hosea 4, 6 tells us that God's people perish or are destroyed by a lack of knowledge. So what you don't know can hurt you. Amen? And in 2 Peter 1, 2, it says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So grace and peace is multiplied to you through your knowledge of him. It's just the, not just knowing that Jesus is God, just not knowing that Jesus is a Messiah. It's knowing what the grace of Jesus, what he poured out, what he provided for you. It's, that's how it's increased and multiplied to you. The more you receive the grace and peace of, of Jesus is because you're going to receive more of his knowledge of what he did. And if you don't know what he did, you're going to be more under stress, more under anxiety, more under pressure. More under, I wonder if I'm saved today and all these other kind of things that is spiritual bondage and torment was never designed or intended for the child of God. I mean, it's, it's, uh, to me, this should be kindergarten Christianity, some of the stuff I'm going to share to you. But unfortunately, it hasn't been, at least in my experience. But I'm praying that it will become that in this house. That from the youngest child to the oldest person in the house, that they're going to know and experience the love and grace of Jesus. Amen. And his power to change. So um, if, we, if we have no knowledge of the grace of God in our Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace are not going to be multiplied in our lives. So if you're at the same peace level that you were a year ago, then guess what? Grace and peace isn't, hasn't been multiplied in your life. Guess what? There's something missing in our understanding of the grace of God. There's something missing. That's not a condemnation to me. That's an encouraging thing. Like, I can do something about this. Guess what you can do? Open your Bible and read what Jesus, what the Word of God declares that he did. Second Peter 3.18 says this, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. It's now and forever. All right? So he says, again, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We can grow in these things. It's not just we heard it in Sunday school. We sang all the songs. We, oh, oh, yeah, I know that pastor. Oh, yeah, I know that pastor. I'm telling you, you need, we all need to, myself included, need to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus because situations in your lifetime change. And then you need new grace for a new situation. And you need new love and understanding for this situation. You have to grow in it as you grow through, go through life. You have to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. And it helps you, or helps you be secured in what he's done and what he's going to do in your life. Amen. So we need to have knowledge of what God has done for us by his grace. So for the rest of the time already, I'm going to jump right into this part, is how does the grace of God save us? How does it save us? And we're going to be most, the main text for today is going to come from Titus 3, 4 through 6. It says this, But when the kindness and love of God our Savior towards man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. Is that not some of those beautiful things you could ever read? I'm just start over. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior towards man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Now, you know, when you read this, Nobody talks like this anymore. Even in whatever, you can put it in the Passion Translation, you can put whatever translation you want, the Kindergarten Translation, but no one talks like this anymore. But there's words that are in this text 
that we need to study to find out what they actually mean because it's talking about our salvation. It's talking about our life with God. It says he did it not because of anything we did, but God did what he did because of his kindness and love and grace towards us. So I want to show you how that verse saved us and how, the, how he saved us. The end of verse 5 says, according to his mercy he saved us, but the next word is through. So we saw that he did it. Now we're going to show you how he did it, okay? How he saved us was through the washing of regeneration, of renewing of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to look at those three words and show you what they mean. Washing, regeneration, and renewing. We're going to look at those three words today and look at what they mean because that's what he did for you and for me. And if we don't know what they mean, it's, it's we're lacking in knowledge of what the grace of God did for us. And it's not going to benefit to us like it could. Amen? So we need to know this because it's through washing. It's through his regeneration. It's through the Holy Spirit and through uh, renewing. So the first we're going to look at today is washing. The word washing is, is the Greek word lutron, and it means to bathe the whole person, immersion, baptism, a labor, the act of washing with connection to purification. Okay? I can read it again. To bathe the whole person. Immersion, baptism, a labor, that's that bowl in the, that is in the temple that the priest used to wash the blood off his hands with. The act of washing with the connection to purification. And this word for washing is connected with the, they're washing their hands before they eat. And is also, of course, the high priest and the priest washing blood off their hands after they made a sacrifice. So the purpose of washing was to wash something off of the person. Right? How profound is that? Right? Oh, right? It's to wash something off, right? If it was in the first scenario, they had to wash off dirt and germs they're hoping to wash, you know, before they eat. In the second scenario, the priest was washing off blood after the sacrifice. But either way, there was a washing being done, went from dirty to clean, okay? Something changed from dirty to clean through the washing. I hope you're picking up on it already, man. I mean, you have been translated from dirty to clean through the washing of what he did, not you did, Amen. So what do you think the Holy Spirit washed off of us when we were saved? He washed off the dirt of our sin and our shame. And the Bible says he did it. And it says the grace of God did this. It said it was the work of God that did this. Uh, you don't have to go on a 20-day fast or a 40-day fast to try to um, have yourself cleansed from all unrighteousness. You do that by faith in the grace of Jesus, what he already did for you. Amen. I mean, it's just faith in what he did. Uh, it made me think of this old song we used to sing growing up. You guys probably sang it here too, but are you washed? You know, have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? You guys know it? Are you washed in the blood of the lamb? Are you fully trusting in his grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the lamb? Are you washed in the blood in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb. Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you? If you are, then your garments are spotless. You've made white as snow. See, this is not a work done after your death. This is the work done by Jesus' death. It's not after you die and go to heaven. Your spirit now has already been washed. It's been cleansed. It's been sanctified, set apart, holy unto God. You've been recreated righteous and truly holy. That's what the word of God says, Ephesians, I think it's 424. 
So the next verse, the song says, Are you walking daily by the Savior's side? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Do you rest each moment in the crucified? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Great lyrics right there. Do you rest each moment in the crucified? Not in your own self, your own works, your own flesh, but what he did for us. Amen. So in this washing done by the Holy Spirit, we have been washed by the blood. Our sins and our lawless deeds have been washed away and remembered no more. Amen. Amen. So again, I showed you last week we were saved, justified, and accepted. But now this we want you to know you were washed clean in the, by the name of Jesus and by the Spirit of God. So my question is for you, how good a job do you think the Holy Spirit did in washing you? You know, when you were little, your mother used to help you take your bath because she knew you wouldn't get behind your ears. You wouldn't uh, brush your teeth. You wouldn't do all these things. So your mom or dad being there, uh, you missed under here and they'd get under your armpit or something. Make sure you got every nook and cranny that there was. I'm telling you, Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, cleaned every nook and cranny of your life. You have been cleaned, entirely cleaned. He didn't miss one spot. He didn't miss one spot. It was a work of grace. It was a work of God, not the work of man. I'm telling you, we can have faith in the grace of God and what he did for us. Amen? So 2 Peter 1.9 says, For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even blind, and has forgotten he's been cleansed from his past sins. You want to stunt your spiritual growth? Forget you've been cleansed. Just forget you've been cleansed. And your spiritual growth will be stunted. You'll be near-sighted and blind. You're not going to grow in the grace of knowledge. You, it takes faith to confess, I've been cleansed, I've been washed, I've been justified freely by his grace. And guess what the righteous are? We're righteous by faith. The righteous will live by faith. The righteous speak faith. We declare what God says is true, not what we feel. It's the work of Jesus, amen? So never forget you have been washed. You need to, make, you need to confess it some days. You're feeling something funny, just like, thank you, God, I've been washed by the blood of the Lamb. I thank you, Lord, I am justified by your grace. I have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, and I'm not righteous by my works. I'm righteous by the work of Jesus. Amen. The next word I want to look at is regeneration. Not a word we use a lot today. A lot of translations don't use it anymore, but this, I want to remind you where it came from. It came from Titus 3.5. It says, He saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. So regeneration is the word Palingenia from the Greek, and it palin means again, and genesia, excuse me, comes from the comes from the word genesis. So regeneration means genesis again. Genesis again. Or creation again, a new birth, a spiritual regeneration, or a spiritual renovation. Okay? Due to the fall of man, God did a Genesis again. Okay? He did it again. And he had, uh, uh, it was another day. It wasn't exactly the same as the original plan. It wasn't exactly the same as it happened in the garden. It was some different things. In the original one, the Genesis account, we were made from dirt. This account, this time, we're not made from dirt. This Genesis, we were not put to sleep so that God could take a rib and make a woman or make Eve. This time was different. This time, Jesus was the one laid on the dust of the ground. This time, Jesus was the one put to sleep. This time, a spear pierced his side, and blood and water flowed. When Adam woke up, he had one less rib, no scar, and a new bride. 
When Jesus woke up three days later, he had the same amount of ribs, but he had multiple scars all over his back, his side, his, his hands, his feet, his head, scars all over him. But he had a new bride. He had a new bride, a new creation bride. And that day took place not when we die and go to heaven. That day took place at the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Okay? On that day, there was another creation or a Genesis again, and that new creation was you and me, recreated in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Come on, somebody. All things. You've been washed. You've been cleansed. You've been saved, justified, accepted, and regenerated, or Genesis again, by the Spirit of God, the Spirit of grace been another creation, a newly formed creation that never existed before in the history of mankind, and it's called the new creation or the new birth. And that's who you are. We are born into sin. We are born into this world, born into sin, but we're reborn again by the Spirit of God into the covenant of grace that changes us. Amen? And the last one was uh, is renewing. Um, again, this comes, again, to remind you again, this comes from Titus 3.5. He saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. The word renewing, it comes from the Greek in ana, kainos. Ana means back in, or again, and kainos means new. So back new, new again, or once again made new. Hallelujah. That's what he did. Amen. The word also means renovation. Complete change for the better. So, a complete change for the better. So, Christ did some major spiritual renovations on you and me. Uh, and it's something we couldn't do of ourselves with the grace of God. I want to share with you one of my major renovations. Not quite the same level as Jesus' renovation for sure. But back in 2020, I had a little time on my hands because of a thing called COVID. And we were not meeting as much as we were before and things like that. So, I got a little bored and uh, the more I was in my restroom, the more I realized how much I didn't like it. And I'm like, I want to, I, I think I could do it. I think I could tear up these tiles and the floor and the tub and everything and just try to see how good I can do this grout work and all that kind of stuff. So I knew I had, as you knew, lots of friends in church I could call and ask for help. And I knew uh, I had YouTube also for good help if I get stuck. So I went ahead and started this project. You want to put the first picture up there? I got some pictures to show you this. So, yeah, that was our old tile rack and the tile rack. And the next one, that's what it looked like before. That's when I ripped off the old soap thing. And next one, and you can see there was a little bit of rot going on behind there. That was not. That was actually before I punched it. And because when you're breaking demo, man, you can do all kinds of fun stuff. You can do sledgehammer, karate kicks, punches, whatever you want to do, and just bust it all up, right? And so uh, we'll go down to the next one. Yeah, and that was behind the tiles, and so obviously been leaking and stuff, and it's not the, the concrete board, it's the old uh, drywall they used to use. All right, next one. And that's me thinking, like, what have I got myself into? <laughs> like, is it too late to go back now? Like, oh, man, I wasn't expecting all that, because over in the corner by the tub, there was a rotten spot of floor, and uh, I was like, oh, man. So, uh, but I went too deep then. So anyway, so, uh, yeah, so that's most of the tile gone there. And next one. 
those tiles actually in that, that trash can, I couldn't even lift that thing. They were so heavy. I, I had to get my kids to help me take it outside to dump it because there was so, so much weight in there. All right, next one. And so most of that was rotten and old, so I had to cut it down and uh, replace it. And next. And yeah, you can keep going. And that's me out with, I think it's Dave Cox's tile cutter right there. I think Dave. And I almost snipped my finger more than once, but that's, I guess, how you learn, right? <laughs> like I said, I was a newbie. I didn't, but I still got all my fingers, so next one. Yeah, put that little uh, niche thing in there, whatever you call them. And uh, put this, I had the name of this thing, some German name, uh, Schutler uh, Systems Curdy Orange Plastic Waterproofing. That's what I put down there and on the floor, and then you had to put, of course, the tiles down. That was just me trying to figure out how I'm going to fit them in there. Next one, and that's one of the finished product picture there, and next one. So yeah, there's basically the final one there. So this is a major project for us. One, I never, thank you, thank you, thank you. Do not ask me to come to your house and do it for you, because I will not do it. Uh, once was enough for me. Uh, that, I was like, how much more work is this going to be? And it was, it was just... Then you get in there, and this is broken, this is broken. I about cut through the power wires because I couldn't figure out why there'd be power wires behind the, sh behind the wall in the shower. But then I realized, oh, that's our, <laughs> our kitchen and our dining room on the other side of that. Nipped one a little bit. Praise God I didn't get zapped. But anyway, um, yeah. So there's a major renovation, but nothing compared to the major renovation that Christ did on you and me. And... Uh, he tore out everything like I did. You saw the rotten wood and the rotten floorboards. There was rotten tile. There was rot or not tile, but rotten uh, drywall behind there. All kinds of just moldy mess. And uh, Jesus told all, all that rot out of you, all that moldy mess out of you. He took it all. He took it all out. He did a complete renovation on you. And he's not some newbie carpenter like me just watching YouTube videos. He's a master craftsman. He's the best carpenter that ever was and will be. And he, by the work of the Spirit, replaced everything on the inside of you with this new creation, this new Genesis again nature on the inside of you. So we once again be made new. Then he sealed you with the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, I, I, one picture was missing there after I got the cement board up on the walls and around. And Dave Mark helped me with the actual plumbing part, praise God. I, that was beyond my YouTube abil ability, but he helped me with that part. But once I got the, on the wall, I had to spread this green, slimy, stuff on the wall, this aqua coat stuff, so that the water won't leak through again and won't rot it out again. So I had to put two coats of that on there. Stuff's really sticky and stinky, and it doesn't come off your clothes either. I mean, it's a big mess. Put two coats of that on, I have to let it dry and everything before you can start putting the tiles on. Well, the same way, once Jesus did this finishing, cleansing, saving work on you, then he sealed you. How many coats? One's enough. And he sealed you with the power of the Holy Spirit. So now when you sin, it's not going to make your wood rotten, not going to make the floor rotten, not going to make the, not going to make the drywall rotten and the water leaking through. There's not going to be no leaks. There'll be no leaks. There's no leak into your born-again spirit anymore. It's been sealed forever by the power of Jesus, by the power of his word. It's saved, sealed, sanctified, set apart, holy unto him by a work of grace, by the work of the cross. Amen. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's masterpiece. He, he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can go, so, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. 
This is the New Living Translation. I'm not sure if you have. Oh, good job. Read again. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. We can pray all day for God to change your life. But until you believe he already did, you're not going to change. He already did it. It's a finished work. It's like the dog chasing his tail. He's already done it. He already washed you. He already regenerated you. He already cleansed you. He did a major renovation. Took all the old rotten stuff on the inside of you out and put his nature on the inside of you. You're now, the Bible says, a partaker of the divine nature. Amen? Divine nature. Hebrews 10, 14 says, For by one offering he has perfected us forever, those who are being sanctified, or those who are sanctified. By one offering of Christ, those who have our faith in what he did, not in what we do. He has perfected your born-again spirit forever. It's forever. You're as righteous right now as you're ever going to be. You don't grow in righteousness. You grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus, but you don't grow in righteousness. Righteousness is right standing with God. Either you have right standing with God or you don't. Amen? If you don't, you need to receive the work of Jesus, and he'll do that same washing for you. He'll do the same regeneration for you. He'll do the same renovation in your heart. He'll take out all the old stuff, the heart of stone, and put in a new heart of flesh by the power of the Holy Spirit in you. Amen. It's not just a song, Amazing Grace. It's, it's, it's a work of God. Amen. And knowing what he did causes the work of Christ to be effectual in us. Like I quoted this, I think, last week, Philemon, verse 6. It says that uh, your faith will become effectual as you acknowledge all of the good things that Christ has already done in you. When you realize what he's already done, you naturally just start changing and adapting to what he said. Not trying to earn something or work something by do this, less, that, and less. No, you need to not, not worry about so much changing what you do. You need to change what you believe. Change what you believe, it will change what you do. Amen. So I want to tell you, you've been washed. You've been cleansed. You've been saved. You've been justified freely by his grace. It means just as if you never sinned. You've been accepted in the beloved. You've been regenerated or Genesis again. You've been renewed or renovated by the Spirit of God and by His grace. Amen. And we need to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus because the truth is what sets us free. Amen. Now, when you hear that message today, does it make you want to go out and sin? Does it make you want to boast about how awesome you are? That's how you know you heard grace. You heard grace today. The grace of God is the power to transform your life, to look like God's, to look more like His, to be more, more like His children. I want to pray for you guys today. If you've never received the grace of God, guess what? Today's the day of salvation. Why wait? You're never going to get a better offer than this. No one's ever going to do anything like this for you. No one could do anything like this for you. It's an honor to be called a child of God. It's an honor to be a son or daughter of God. There's nothing to be ashamed of. There's no shame in that. It's a high honor. You are a son or daughter of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the one who speaks and there's trees, the one who speaks, there's water. I mean, the one who speaks and boom, there we are. And he wants us to be his kids. He said, look, you put your faith in me and here's what I'll do for you. He's going to wash you, regenesis you, recreation all over again. And he's going to do a renovation in your heart and sanctify you, set your part holy unto him. You don't become better when you get to heaven. You just get a glorified body. Your body will be better, but your spirit right now is perfect as it's ever going to be. One third of your salvation is already completely finished. Amen? And we're going to grow in that as we believe it. 
So I'm going to pray right now, if you've never received Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've never experienced the washing, you see, you, you have to hear the truth because the truth brings freedom. What I told you right now, you can put faith in that word I showed you in the Bible. I showed you it. And you go to other places sometimes, you, do, you come out and you're not sure if God's will to save you or God's will to free you or am I going to battle this all the time? And guess what? That's not the gospel. It's a perversion. The gospel is through Christ, this is what he did. Amen? So if you close your eyes right now, those of you that are saved, just bask in the grace and love of Jesus that he already has poured out on you. If you're not a new creation yet, you can repeat this prayer after me, and you will be one. In a moment, in an instant, in the twinkling of an eye, you'll be translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the Son that he loves. Instant renovation. Instant regenesis. Instant washing, cleansing, sanctifying. Because the work's been done by Jesus. So if you're not a new creation yet, why don't you repeat this prayer after me in your heart? Father God, I thank you for this amazing grace. I thank you for its power to save me, to cleanse me, to wash me, to renovate me, change me completely, to make me your child. I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. And I believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. I ask you to come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. Make me your son or daughter. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. There's power in that name. There's power in that name to change your life. Yes, I don't care what the doctor said, what your mother said, what your dad said, who said you're addicted to what. I'm telling you, there's power in the name of Jesus to break every chain, to do a major renovation, overhaul in your life. Thank you, Lord. The old things are passed away. Everything, everything, everything is now new, made new. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, you meant it. Guess what? There's a, they're playing that, I think that song by Cool and the Gang right now. In heaven, celebrate good time. Come on. Come on. I'm telling you, there's a party, the Bible says, in heaven when one person gives their life to Christ. There's music, dancing, like the prodigal son story, and celebration because that's why Jesus came, to seek and save that were lost and free them from the power and the dominion of darkness and set them free into the kingdom of Jesus. Amen? So if you prayed that prayer today, I want you to come tell me, let me know, tell somebody, um, because we need to, you need to be proud of who you are in Christ and the, your Father and the work that he did for you. Amen? Amen. You guys stand. I'm going to pray a blessing on you guys, and then we'll uh, dismiss you. And those that are members want to stick around so we can have our uh, congregational meeting and, and vote. So, uh, God, grace is not just a word. It's, it's still hard to define. How do you define what you did? But we'll say we do know it's amazing. It's amazing. 
God, I thank you that you took our sins, the word of God says, and carried away our diseases by your grace. You took guilt, condemnation, and shame by your grace. You washed us clean. And you're not ashamed to call us your brothers or sisters. Lord, I just uh, pray right now, blessing on each one here. Blessing on their home. Grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. May you grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Grace, great grace, or like I showed last week, thrive in Jesus' name. Thrive. Pray you thrive in the grace of Jesus. And as you learn and grow in who you really are. So Lord, I bless your children. I thank you for each one here. In Jesus' name, amen.